The word of the Lord from Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach among people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Elizabeth has been at home alone for a while. Her husband Zechariah has been gone to the temple in Jerusalem 
because he's a priest and it's his turn to be on duty. Meanwhile, there's no one else about the house that we know of. There are no children because Elizabeth is barren. Some troubles in life have their own exquisite anguish more than others. And even today, infertility is one of those. It's a private suffering that many overlook, assuming that a couple just didn't want to have children. At the same time, the frustration and the lost dreams are front and center for those who cannot conceive. It can embitter and suffocate marriages and lives. Then there's the spiritual dimension. While it's true that kids are messy and noisy and expensive and inconvenient, they're a miraculous gift from God. In fact, the messy, noisy, expensive inconvenience is all part of the gift. When a couple can't conceive, it's easy to believe that God is withholding such a precious gift because he doesn't have much regard for them at all. It's easy to feel as if God has singled them out to bear reproach that God is unfair. It's a little bit different for Elizabeth. It's hardly a private matter overlooked by others. As Zachariah's wife, she's supposed to be the mother of children. And in a culture where marriage and motherhood are so intertwined, her barrenness makes her stand out as the unfortunate one. Along with the personal grief and the broken dreams, she bears the reproach of the people. Just what is wrong with Elizabeth that she does not conceive? Well, the talk has probably died down over time because Elizabeth is now advanced in years and past the age of childbearing. Now she waits for Zechariah to come back from Jerusalem and tell her the news of the city. And Zechariah returns, but he has nothing to say. I mean, literally, he can't speak. An angel has struck him mute because he did not believe the angel's words. It's only a temporary condition, though. Zachariah will speak again once their son is born. Once your son is born, Elizabeth. That's what the angel said to Zachariah in the temple. He said, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. Elizabeth, the barren one, is going to have a son in her later years. Gabriel has said so, and Gabriel the angel stands in the presence of God. Elizabeth and Zechariah will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. Great before the Lord, says the angel. Perhaps Elizabeth's mind races to the elite company in which she now finds herself. Sarah was barren, but the Lord gave to her and Abraham a baby in their old age, and Isaac would be great as one of the patriarchs of Israel. Rachel was barren until the Lord opened her womb, and Joseph would grow up to save Israel from starvation. Manoah's wife was barren, but the Lord blessed them with Samson, the strongest of men who in his suffering and death delivered Israel from the Philistines. Hannah was barren, and then Samuel was born. 
the last of the judges and the prophet who would anoint David king over Israel. And now, says the angel, Elizabeth will bear a son. And Gabriel has already declared that John will be great before the Lord. What will her son do? Well, Gabriel said that too. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Oh, let those words echo in your thoughts, Elizabeth, because John will be both a prophet and the fulfillment of prophecy. Malachi said to look for the one who would turn the hearts of fathers to their children. In fact, that's the very last verse of the Old Testament. And now, says Gabriel, that's John, her son. Malachi said to look for the new Elijah. That's John, her son. Isaiah told of the one who would prepare the way of the Lord. That's John, her son, and he will be great before the Lord by way of proximity. In other words, he will be great before the Lord because he will be the last prophet who precedes the Messiah. See, unlike Elijah and Isaiah and Malachi, who could only stand at a distance in time, John will be the one who points to Jesus in the flesh and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How much of this does Elizabeth realize in her meditations? We don't know. We know what she says once John is conceived and she carries him in her womb. She says, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Indeed, the Lord has looked upon Elizabeth and he has taken away her reproach among people. In that, John is also a reminder to you Because of the Savior soon to follow on John's heels, the Lord looks upon you. He will take away your reproach among people. It is given you to bear reproach. Sometimes it's about the things of this world. You bear the burden of barrenness or grief and loss, divorce, words you regret, a bad run of events, a broken dream, a failed enterprise. It might be because of something you've done, something done to you, or something that just happened. There are times when others will look upon you and consider you cursed by God. They might say stupid things that don't help, even as they give silent thanks they're not in your shoes. Your old sinful nature then magnifies this, In fact, even when no reproach is intended by others, you can convince yourself that everyone is disappointed with you because you're so disappointed. Your old Adam is constantly gnawing away to make you disappointed with God, to find the Lord at fault because you feel he is unfair. There is another sort of reproach that you bear. You bear the reproach of the devil, world, and sinful flesh because you bear the name of Christ, and his enemies will do their best to make your life as a Christian inconvenient and disappointing. That's why Christians are mocked for honoring virginity and chastity and fidelity. 
for honoring marriage and the life of the unborn. It's why Christians suffer at times because they won't give in to peer pressure or lie and cheat on a business deal. And in a world where nearly any sin is defensible and praiseworthy, nothing is more reproachful than the gospel, the good news that Christ has died to redeem sinners. It is given you to bear reproach, sometimes lifelong reproach. The devil will do his evil best to make every gift and act of God appear a grim burden that you should cast off and leave behind along with your Savior. That puts you in the company of the likes of Elizabeth as she sits alone in her house, waiting for Zechariah to return from Jerusalem. Actually, you're in better shape than she is because you know more. You know that the Lord looked upon her to take away her reproach of barrenness. You know that John was born to point to Jesus. And you know that Jesus was born to be your Savior. You know that Jesus bore all your sins and infirmities to the cross and more. He has borne your reproaches to the cross. Paul quotes Psalm 69 to say that Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. That's Romans 15.3, which means there on the cross, Christ willingly submitted to the reproaches and mockery of man who called for his shame and called for his death. And there on the cross, he also accepted the reproach of his father who condemned his son so that he might forgive you. Jesus has borne the reproach of God and man for you. Your sins are atoned for. And as the Lord looked upon Elizabeth to remove her reproach, so he looks upon you. In fact, our closing benediction is a blessing and announcement that your reproach is removed because God blesses and keeps you. The Lord makes his face shine upon you and is gracious unto you. The Lord looks upon you as he did Elizabeth. He looks upon you with favor and he gives you peace. As for the reproaches of this world that you endure, they are no proof that God is unfair or that he has little love for you. His love has compelled him to shed his own blood for your redemption, to deliver you from this world where everything goes wrong for everybody eventually. He does not promise to remove the reproaches of this world here and now. But he does promise that they will not last forever. For the sake of Jesus, he will raise you up to everlasting life. And though he may not fulfill your hopes and dreams for your life here, whatever everlasting life is like, it will be far, far better. This is true because in Christ he has removed the reproach of your sin. While devil and world may have little love for you because you bear the name of Jesus, the Lord has nothing but love for you. Already you are holy and righteous in his sight. Already you are his precious, beloved children. You have his word on it, as sure as Zechariah and Elizabeth had his promise that John would be born. Be of good courage, my friends. 
Your reproaches will all be removed, and, like Elizabeth, you will know joy and gladness because the Lord keeps his promises. He will be raised up in heaven, appearing as the holy child of God that you are. And you are a holy child because the Lord does not reproach you. He calls you his own, redeemed by the blood of Christ, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.